0: There's a classic psychological story, uh, which I will not cite, obviously, but I'm sure if you dig around, you'll find it, and it's been cited plenty of places, so I'm not too worried about it. It's not, you know, a bunch of bullshit. Snopes will not be knocking on my door. Wow, this intro got long in a hurry. Uh, anyway, there's a psychological story or a study in which uh, someone was selling jam at a grocery store. Uh, jam, jelly, doesn't really matter. It's not really pertinent to the story, but the idea was that what they did is they put out a little display. There's a person behind the little display, you know, handing out freebies. It's a weekend, right? Um, they had 27 different kinds of jellies. Now, first off, 27 different kinds of jams or jellies? I can't conceive of that many. But then, a friend of mine sent me plum whiskey jam once, and then I went, sure, 27. I can see how you get to 27. You're adding whiskey to things now. That's amazing. Thank you, British people. Um, I, think, I think. I'm sure it was British. Anyway, 27 different jams and jellies. Now you'd think with that many jams and jellies, you're like, oh, you're going to find something that is just, oh, that's amazing. That is fantastic. That is the best jam or jelly I have ever tasted. I am going to spread it on my English muffin, which I don't know if you call English muffins in England, Uh, on my toast, on my bagel, on my tortilla, if that's where I'm so inclined. This is going to be the greatest jam or jelly ever. I have so much choice. I'm going to fine-tune to make sure I have exactly the jam or jelly that is custom for me? How could there possibly be a way for this jam to be more me and my flavor? There's 27 choices. It, I'm going to find one that's perfect. Well, it's not exactly how that worked. Uh, turns out, 27 choices of jams or jelly mostly scared they hell a whole lot of people. They just kind of went, uh, I don't know which one I want. I like strawberry. And with all these choices they kind of backed away slowly and walked away. The next weekend, they replaced the 27 choices with three choices and sold a lot of jammer jelly. We'll be right back to talk more about choice and confidence when we talk back. I don't know, this is, you know, I'm doing this on a Thursday, it's weird. My whole, my whole mojo's off, but we'll, we'll make it work, we'll make it work, you and me. We're gonna make it work, we'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the podcast dedicated to helping you get smarter at recruiting and hiring. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of employer brand and modern recruiting so that you, yes you, can hire better talent. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? I'm your host, James Ellis, and you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent. That's at The War for Talent. Or on the Talent Cast website. Got a question, got a topic, got an idea? Tweet me. I'd love to hear from you. Ready to roll up your sleeves and think big? Great. Let's get to it. Hey, how you doing, James Ellis? Uh, You know, housekeeping type stuff. Hey, if you're going to go, if you're thinking about it, E-R-E, it's in San Diego, it's in the spring, I know. Who wants to go to gorgeous San Diego in the spring? Certainly not me, I guess if I have to. Uh, I'm speaking and so if you were there or if you want to come there and you go, you should come, that'd be great. And f- come find me, say hello. Um, maybe there'll be a sticker in it for you. i love to give stickers away. I only have so many and at some point I need to get rid of them. Um, so please enjoy that, the E-R-E. Uh, otherwise, uh, Transform Conference, it looks like I'm gonna be in the summer and there's something else going Oh yeah, Yellow User Conference. If you're in Chicago and you can't find me, I don't know what your problem is. You're not looking very hard, because I'm all over the place. Uh, I'm doing my own event actually this week. I think it, uh, and this week? No, two weeks from now. Um, the 21st, whatever the 21st is, I think it's a Thursday, over at Yellow, come find me. Uh, Go to jamesellis.us, you can see all the dates. Otherwise, I'm gonna be at the same building at the Yellow User Conference, I think it's the same building, Um, there's Strive User Conference. I'm gonna be speaking with my friend Angie Veros. Hey Angie, how you doing? we're going to keynote, and we're going to tag team it, and this is going to be interesting. Otherwise, I live in Chicago, so come find me. Come on, invite me to coffee. You know, coffee. Anyway, one last thing. I wrote a little e-booky thing. Uh, apparently, because I wrote a book over the Christmas break, it's 50,000 words. It The first draft is done. I figure when it's done, it's going to hit about 65. I know what I need to do with it. What I'd like to do is find a publisher. So one, if you know a publisher, come find me. Hello. Two... Because I hate writing proposals, which is weird because it's marketing and I love marketing, um, I got bored and I wrote a separate ebook, and that, that ended up being about 9,000 words. So I'm giving away the ebook, it's kind of a fun. Cool, cool weird goofy thing it's 39 questions to help you kind of kickstart your thinking on hiring and how to reinvent your hiring it's not about selling you software and selling you tools and selling you whatnot it's simply about kicking your butt and saying hey let's do a little hiring therapy let's 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 get under the covers and figure it out let's let's get under the hood under the covers got a little sexual there sorry guys um, so let's get under the hood and kind of you know let's see what the problems are so if you want a copy of that it's free uh, go to employerbrand.com consulting slash ebook or there'll be a link in the show notes certainly because now I want to give that thing away. Thanks to everybody who downloaded on the first day. I was really blown away by the response so thank you everybody. So um, it's free to share so if you get it, share it around, let people know, you know, whatever. Otherwise, let's talk about choice. Speaking of choice, all these conference choices and now we're getting into choices. That was the worst segue ever. I'm only on my second cup of coffee. Can Can you tell? Here we are episode 109 and I'm just like, like I'm doing it my first time. Um, Choice and confidence. Everybody thinks they want more choices. Everybody aligns the concept with choice with the concept of freedom. I have two choices. I have limited choices. In fact, it's almost a there's a concept called um, the 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 myth of false choices. The you know the the you what you can do is I can present you with two choices and. Neither of them are good, but because you feel like you're making a choice, it's, you're internalizing and it's okay. It's like, okay, so do you want to be hit in the head with a stick or do you want me to throw a baseball bat in your face? Or, you know, what do you want? He goes, um, I choose this one. It's like, you know what? There's a third choice. Um, and, I'm, and I'm messing up the term myth of uh, false choices, but you know what the term th- – th- it'll, it'll pop into my head at some point. Um, Because people equate choice with freedom. They think, well, if I have 27 choices of jams, I'm going to be free to pick whatever jam I want. In fact, not only can I pick whatever jam I want, I can switch it up, baby. I can go back and forth. Today, it's banana jam. Is that a jam? I don't know. That sounds horrible. to marmalade, to strawberry, to mixed berry, to the preordained or prementioned uh, plum whiskey, which you know, wow, um, I can you know, hey, it's Thursday, it must be plum whiskey jam day. That's freedom in the kind of uh, wild swing and seventies kind of model that didn't quite pan out. Now, did it? The trick is, it's not real. Choice is not freedom. Freedom's a whole different kettle of fish, and we're going to talk about that maybe one day, Uh, but we just naturally assume that choice and freedom go hand in hand. I choose to vote this way. I choose to buy this kind of car. I choose to live in this place. I choose the city to be in. I choose to spend my evenings watching Netflix or maybe putting together a nice puzzle, right? These are my choices. I am free. I get to make these choices. But how free are you when so many choices are kind of preordained? Was there a choice to not work? I got a kid, there's no choice to not work. I, I do not have the level of choice where I get to say, you know what, for a couple months I'm just going to hang out, see how things go. I don't have that kind of choice. I have a mortgage, I have a kid, I have a wife, we got to pay the bills, we got to do the things, you know, cho- you know, things you would imagine I would imagine you would understand. Um, I don't have that kind of choice, I don't have that kind of freedom. Yes, it's technically a choice, technically I could be homeless, technically I could choose to live in a box, um, but how is that choice? Now, I bring all this up because as employer, brand, and recruitment marketing people, who are we talking to but people who have effectively infinite choice. None of us are trying to hire people that can't get jobs anyplace else. That's not what we're shooting for. Yes, we will occasionally hire those people. There are audiences and there are groups of people that have a hard time trying to show their value and thus are not attract are not attracted by recruiters. Like for example, if you're uh, ex-military, it might be a little more difficult and I'd let Chad and, 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 and Chad Sowash kind of chime in on that one because he knows better than I. But, you know, the, the, the concept that as a military uh, someone with military experience, you have a set of experience and skills which don't exactly align with resume type stuff, right? If you're busy setting up Um, I don't and now this is where I I sound like an idiot. Uh, now he says? No, I'm but you know, if you're if you're focused on putting up tents and and patrolling regions and Driving trucks—it's really hard to say. You know what I was? I was a logistics officer, and I can manage twenty-seven thousand pieces of data at any one given time. Could you? Yes. Were you? Yes. Is that kind of how you described yourself on a resume? No. You ran a—you ran a team, or you ran a platoon, or you did whatever you did. So the translation is hard, and therefore recruiters don't know how to translate, and therefore recruiters aren't knocking down their doors. It simply becomes a perceived value issue. Anyway, that's not the conversation I wanted to have. What I'm saying is, recruiters and employer brand people are focused. Their big prize. Their uh, 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 um, the the bar over which they are trying to jump is not people that anybody could hire, not any people that, that no one wants, but the people that everybody wants, right? If you are picking and hiring for great talent, presumably great talent is seen by other people as great talent, thus there's competition, thus there's choice. God, that was a convoluted sentence. I'm getting super meta today. I don't know what. Maybe it's the lack of coffee. Maybe it's the Thursday morning. It's very gray out. Um, maybe that means... Rainy days and Thursdays always make me meta, and I'm very sorry I have sung for you. So anyway, you think that all this choice, you know, that you can— would be great for everybody, right? The candidate has lots of people knocking on their door, um, people, you know, sending them in emails and try to talk to them. And we're trying to be the person, and it's a competition, right? We're trying to be the best of the jams, so to speak, right? We're trying to be their favorite jam. We're trying to give them so many choices that they pick a jam that they love and that they're gonna fall in love with forever. Because as recruiters, somewhere in the back of our heads, we think once we make this hire, they'll be here forever. And then everybody laughs because that's not true. But as as recruiters, you've got to focus on the problem at hand. You know, your job is not to focus on retention. Your job is not to focus on loyalty. Your job is to focus on put the button the seat, get the hire done, right? Close the deal. You are salespeople. Close it. Close it. Close it. Close it. That's what you do as recruiters. It's somebody else. It's leadership's job. It's HR's job to worry about retention and worry about how do you create, how do you lower regretted attrition, and how do you, uh, you know, how do you make those changes? That's not a recruiter's job. Sure, recruiters say in it, but that's not their job. The thing is, is that we've been told choice is better. We've been told more choices is good. You can choose between all about you know, a couple hundred million apps on on for your phone. You can choose between um, your Amazon robot butler, your Apple robot butler, or your Google robot butler, right? You can choose all these choices. And I'm in a house where two of them are turned on right now, so I have to be careful and um, just refer to them as the robot butlers. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have all this choice. You can choose where you live. You can choose how you paint your house. You can choose what couch you want to put in it. Do you want a TV? How big a TV? What brand of TV? How, how much resolution on your TV? So many choices. So many choices. And what happens is people freak out because we're asking people to make choices, but based on what? So let's go back to the jam story. I'm presuming that if I was standing in that grocery store trying to offer 27 choices of jam, And I would assume that people would want to taste a few, right? Do I want strawberry or do I want strawberry rhubarb or do I want strawberry rhubarb whiskey? I don't know. I'm making it up again. Um, How would I know? How would I know how to choose? I've never had strawberry rhubarb jam, let alone strawberry rhubarb whiskey jam. That sounds intriguing. But am I going to sit there and try three jams? I'm grocery shopping. Am I going to try... 27 types because apparently maybe the banana is the is the taste sensation I've been waiting my entire life for. It is the the extreme banana jam flavor that I've waited my entire life for. I just didn't even know it, that could be it, but if I don't if I don't taste it, I'll never know. So are we being asked to taste 27 different kinds of jam? Does that make sense? But no, we're in a grocery store, we're busy. We're there to grab the food, we're there to get the hell out of Dodge. No one hangs out at the grocery store uh, for the most part, certainly not the, the aisles, certainly not the jam aisle. I'm not seeing too many parties at the jam aisle. Uh, maybe I shop at a different grocery store. Maybe you and I are just different people and you know when to go. You know that the third Thursday of every month at 2 a.m., party in the jam aisle, baby! Um, and I just don't, I'm asleep. That makes, you know, you have to choose. You need information upon which to choose. Because what you're, we're, as marketers, as salespeople, we are over indexing, we are over valuing the concept of choice. You have all these choices. We have all these jobs. We have all these locations. We have all these opportunities. We have all these choices. We have all these candidates. All choice, 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 choice. Look at how amazing we are. We are overwhelmed with an abundance of choice. But it turns out we don't actually want choice. What we want is certainty. Right? If you're faced with 27 different kinds of jam, and you taste three, and you pick one, and this is a big if, right, because the data says that this doesn't very happen very often, and you pick one, and you walk away, that means there were, doing the math, 24 different kinds of jams you did not try. Again, what if them? What if one, if one of them was the, 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 the taste-flavor profile that will change your jam-eating life? What if? And that's gonna scratch at your head. I mean, sure, you know I'm not a marmalade guy and I'm not a banana jam person, but it turns out strawberry rhubarb whiskey would have blown me away. It would have made me a whole human being. And this is where the marketing jokes start. Uh, It's like I'm writing my commercials as we speak. How would you know? If you didn't taste it, how would you know that you didn't leave something, some option on the table? And do you feel better or worse for all that choice when you may have made a suboptimal choice? if you left flavor on the table, as it were. So far, so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, Either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or proactivetalent.com. That's where I work and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it. This is where choice gets complicated because there's the opportunity cost factors into our valuing of the choice. If I'm choosing between A or B and I choose A, I go, okay. I see that the value of A is greater than B. And at some point, I do the math, right? I say the value of A is 10, the value of B was 9. So my net value was 1. I took the 9 away that I didn't choose and I got the extra value of 1, which is why choosing a suboptimal value, or suboptimal choice is not the best because if you choose the 9 and you could have had 10, you're negative 1 net, right? You left something on the table. Now, the problem is what happens when there's three choices? A is 10, B is 9, now C is 8. Now when I choose obvious answer A has 10, I'm actually leaving a lot more on the table. I actually am losing a net value. I'm What's 8 and 9? is 17, right? Okay, cool. Uh, I'm, I'm, ne- I'm leaving 17 on the table, of which I got 10, so I'm net negative 7. Now make 20 options. Make 27 options. You see how this happens? People go, I missed all these choices. I missed all these opportunities to taste something amazing. Are my net value, yes, I like strawberry. Maybe it turns out that strawberry was exactly the flavor I want. Perhaps, had I tasted them all, they would have been amazing. It doesn't matter because I still feel like I'm missing out on some level. Human beings are really complicated and messy, says the guy who's been divorced twice. (laughs) And again, you get to learn so much about me. That's where choice is complicated because I don't want choice. What I want to know is the certainty that I've made the right choice. Now, back to the tasting the jams. Am I gonna taste 27 jams? No, I'm gonna go into diabetic shock, right? As almost everybody would. Um, That's way too much sugar in the middle of the day, kids. 27 different kinds of jams, all those carbs, all those sugars, take a nap. Um, You're done, it's over. (laughs) So I'm not going to do that. And because I can't do that, I'm going to go, did I miss something? Did I miss an opportunity for something amazing? And I'm going to feel uncertain. And uncertainty kills. When it comes to marketing, when it comes to selling, when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to everything we do, uncertainty kills. Kills, destroys. It is the it is four horsemen of the sales and marketing department. It uncertainty is the pa- plague and pestilence across which the land everything withers and dies. Again, I need more coffee. And think about how and all the work we are trying to do to remove uncertainty. Hey. We're a viable company. Look, here's our cre- here's our consumer site or our investor site or our corporate site. Look, we're a public company. Here's our stock. Look, other people have invested in us. Look, we've been profitable for this long. Look, we have 100 or 100,000 people who work here, whatever those numbers are. Look, we have uh, awards. Look, we have buildings, right? And nothing feels more certain than a physical, physical building, which is complicated because we're moving in a world where there's a lot of more remote workers of which I now consider myself one. Physicality makes things certain, right? If I can touch it, I can see it, I can mail something to it, okay, that's a real thing, Um, right? You know, that's one of the great moves. uh, You know, if you're a remote business or you're just trying to put something together, that first day you buy your first office or lease your first office, like, ah, I'm physical. I finally feel real. Physicality leads to certainty, right? What else are we doing to provide certainty? Well, we've got a job posting or a job description depending on what you're using and I'm hoping it's a posting and I'm hoping it's a decent one. But even then, you're trying to say, look, this is a great opportunity. Not one of 27, but this is good for you. We're trying to lower the amount of certainty. We're gonna say things like, look, we're gonna make sure you get paid on time. Look, you're gonna get your healthcare taken covered. Look, taken covered, wow, taken care of and covered. Look, we're gonna take care of you here. Look, there's a uh, employee assistance program. Look, we, uh, we do student loan stuff. Look, we have retirement funds. We have matching 401ks at these levels. We're gonna give you all this data. It's still not creating. It's still not killing the uncertainty because what happens is, is I go. I'm looking at these two companies or three companies or let's be honest, a thousand companies because I live in a big city and I'm a a citizen of the world because I have this thing called the internet. Therefore, I'm looking at potentially millions of companies. Though conceivably, that's not even remotely humanly possible. Uh, My brain is only so big, and even that, it's not that big. I can't hold those those choices in my head. So let's break it down to ten choices. I have ten companies I could potentially want to work for. Right? I'm at th- I'm at the, the peak of my game, so to speak. My value is clear. My j- resume is fantastic. My LinkedIn is is, is kicking. Uh, people get what I do. They see my value, and they've all come to me because apparently I am some sort of machine learning automated car type guy, girl, person, whatever. Um, you know the people. I have I have choice. The problem happens because you're assuming I'm ch- that all this choice is good. and What I don't want is choice. What I do want is certainty. I want to know who's my boss going to be. We've all seen that, that old saw and that old chestnut about it. Don't choose a, a company. Choose a boss. How many of you show your boss on your career site? I was once told by a very, very large agency I used to work for. Yes, you already know who it is. Um, I, I wasn't allowed to put my LinkedIn uh, URL in the job posting. I said, why? They're going to, they should. The selling point is that, is me, right? I'm going to say, uh, meet your boss. Go read what other people had to say about your boss, good, bad, indifferent, here's the boss. Frankly, if you're in a big agency, you're in a global agency, you go to Glassdoor, you go to Indeed, you look at reviews, you're getting some pretty broad strokes. It's free. Even with a little bit of filtering it, you're still going, okay, well, that's the Chicago office, but there's seven teams in the Chicago office. How do I know which one is the team I'm joining? Is it gonna be the one where no one seems to know what's going on or the one where everybody's empowered to do amazing work? Kind of a big choice, right? Um, I have uncertainty and now because I'm in between these two which one which team is it and what's the feeling I don't know. So I wasn't allowed to say here meet your boss because they knew I could leave at any point in time. And there's a valid argument for that, but at the same time, you deal with that when you deal with that. If the if it helps to attract great people to say meet the boss, show the boss. That's why the boss ends up in the interview. Not, because, not just because the boss is choosing, but because you want to make the candidate feel like, ah, this is a boss I can work with. I understand. But generally, you get 30 to 60 minutes with the boss, what are you going to do, a psychological profile on this person? Are you going to read up on what other people say about them? you got to run, right? After that interview, you've only got a few days, maybe a few hours before the recruiter comes back and says, we want to offer you this job, yes or no. Are you ready to go? Did you, wait, did you have time to go do your research on this boss? Probably not. But if that information's in the posting, you can make decisions. In fact, if the job is, that information is on the job posting, people can apply to that person. They can say, hey, I get what you're about, I get what you're trying to do, here, let me talk to you, and suddenly, and yeah, okay, as recruiters you might say, hey, don't work around recruiters, we have processes, and I would say, yeah, those processes are down, designed around a world that doesn't exist anymore. I think you want the hiring manager to be more involved in the hiring process, and that means to some extent sourcing and doing first screens. No? Yes? argue with me. That's why I have a podcast. That's why I have email. That's why I have Twitter. That's why I have LinkedIn. Yes, apparently that's why I have LinkedIn. Uh, I knew it was something. Argue with me on that one. But anyway, what are you doing to create confidence? What are you doing to kill the uncertainty? When someone walks in, do they know this is the culture. Do they know? How do they understand that culture? How do they perceive that culture? And you're like, hey, we made a video that talks about culture. Yeah, you made one video for your entire multinational company that talks about your whole culture. How is it conceivably possible that that one video spoke to all the cultures unless you decided to water it down to the point of worthlessness? Go ahead. I'll wait. No? Okay. That we think we've checked a box. And this is HR thinking, I think, to some extent. Um, I would love to blame someone for this, and I'm not. I'm blaming an entire class of people, which is, on some level, uh, HRist of me, um, not sexist, not racist, just a- HRist, apparently. Um, and I'm inventing brand new ways to insult people as we speak. Magical. This is the gra- greatest podcast of my life, apparently. No more coffee for me ever. HR people like to break things down into, man- let's be fair, HR people are people people, right? They're designed to manage people, and people are complicated and messy individuals and things and, comp- and processes, so the easiest way to manage them is to break them down into little pieces, to break them down into checkboxes, to break them down into step-by-steps, and then to manage the process, to manage the checklist. And if I break down a big problem into a t- bunch of tiny problems, and I solve the tiny problems, naturally it would seem that I've b- fixed the big problem, except that doesn't really happen that way per se, but that's how HR approaches these things. That's just how they do. And I'll let HR have its own 27 podcasts y'all want to listen to, and they can have their argument of how I'm full of it. Let them. They don't pay the 10 bucks a month for the service. I do. Yeah, that's all I pay. I know. It's right. Anybody can do this job. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They want... You're trying and your goal, you should be endeavoring to provide certainty and confidence to every candidate who applies, to everybody who walks in the building to interviews. You need to understand what they need to be confident. Now, there's another side of this coin if you can believe it. It's what would they need to feel confident. So if I'm selling back to jams and jellies, I'm going to make you all hungry. If I'm selling jams and jellies and I don't knew, know you as a human being, you are a complete stranger and you walk up and I say, try our 27 jams and jellies, I am blindly fishing. I might as well be saying, we're hiring, right? It's the recruiting equivalent of we're hiring or join me or we have opportunities or we have openings, right? That the I'm now referring to as the YARP, yet another recruiting uh, post. You know, it's the bland, generic, I don't know who you are. I don't know what motivates you. I don't know what you're interested in. I don't know what you're all about. So I'm going to give you something so generic that appeals to everybody, therefore appealing to no one. A YARP, yet another recruiting post. Bango, trademarked it. Boom, next conversation. I'm pitching you jam and I don't know you. What if I knew you, though? What if I said, I know you have got two kids. And I'm going to say, hey, you should try this jam because kids love it I got two kids at home and they go bananas over this jam which is not made of bananas because now I'm just getting my head messy that's a way of understanding someone else's motivation or someone else's demographic someone else's circumstance to try to connect and build rapport and establish some level of certainty I might then say since this person in front of me I know has two kids I might say this jam over here the the cherry jam. Kids go crazy for it. Kids go bananas for it. But you know what? As an adult, I'd recommend the rhubarb whiskey one. It's amazing. And everybody who's tasted it goes crazy for it. I'm selling out of it like crazy. Now what have I done? What have I just said? Well, I've said I know something about you. I know that you have kids and I've offered you a solution that makes your life a little more easy I've now said there are 27 choices but you just want to try this one and it's perfect not for you but for someone else. Go ahead and buy it. I've made it very easy for you to buy it. I've created social proof that says all these other kids love it, therefore your kids will probably love it too. Boom, I'm selling some cherry jam then i said and for an adult now i'm talking to you now i'm shifting my process now i'm saying i see you as a human being not as the bearer of children not as the person who is going to have to pay for a college or vocational training bill one day but to say you're an adult you have needs you have what you like try this thing it's already set, sold by adults again social proof it's flying off the shelves everybody who tastes loves it and now i've also boiled down the number of choices from 27 down to one or two now you feel more confident because now your opportunity cost, your, your, the, the value you're leaving on the, on the table went from 27 choices of which no choice was in, had, a, had a majority of the value to 2 and now I'm choosing between 9 and 10. If I choose right, I might be choosing the right one and I don't feel like I'm leaving 17 other choices on the, on the table thus adding to incremental aggregate value. A lot of words. That's how you sell jelly. And how would you sell jelly how would you sell a job by knowing what they're motivated by maybe they're motivated by hey it says here you're working for big search firm company i don't think i have to name but i won't because i don't want to get in trouble for some reason and because i think they're listening to me hey we know that they're really famous for making you work 12 hours every single day that they don't like it when you take weekends we can offer a work-life balance it's not quite the same pay. It's a, it's a slight step down. But all the time you get back, you're going to be happier about that. Now, I provided more certainty because I'm creating positioning. It speaks to them because I know something about them. If I didn't know where they worked, I couldn't say, you're working at a place that works 12-hour days. They might say, no, actually, I'm not well then you're screwed. <laughs> but if you do know something about them, if you do have a sense of because they work place X, because you knew them because their boss said something when you did a when you asked around or whoever referred them says they're great at X or they're ha- they're, they're really unhappy because their boss sucks. You can offer them something better. You can offer them a level of certainty about their brand new boss. So Certainty isn't just about what people choose. They're not searching for certainty and they're blindly choosing. You can offer them something that gets them closer to that kind of certainty, to get them to that level of confidence. It's it's a lack of confidence that makes a candidate accept an offer and then just not show and keep looking around. Ghosting comes from a lack of confidence. I just don't know that this is the right company for me. I just have a bad feeling about something. Somebody else called me and they made me feel like maybe I wasn't making the right choice and it fell apart. Now, if your job is to create certainty and to create confidence, that's not going to happen as often. So yeah, I just kind of sort of focused your attention on your ghosting problem, but you can still, I mean, I don't have solutions, but really focus on how do you create certainty. Focus on when you start, this is what your first day is going to be like. This is where your boss is. This is how your boss is going to help you first day, first week, first month, first year. This is the. These are the projects you're going to be working on. By the way, more projects will be coming and depending on how you do on these projects will determine your next set of projects or maybe not how you do on them but what things you find interesting. You get to choose between all these different project types. Wouldn't that be interesting to be able to choose between those and knowing that when you choose, you're going to have the support to actually do that stuff, blah, 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 blah create, show it, create confidence, create confidence, create confidence. You know what's going on. They don't feel uncertain, they don't feel confused. Imagine working for a company where the stock price went up and down all the time, like massive swings. You can tell, you could do the math that says, if the Friday before someone showed up, the st- stock went up, your, your ghosting problem isn't as bad. The Friday before people show up, the stock tanks, you're gonna have a ghosting problem. People are uncertain of the company. There are so many things they could be uncertain of. Your job as a recruiter, employer, brand, hiring professional at whatever stage level you are at is to create confidence. Offering choice isn't enough. A choice is the beginning of a conversation, but then you start to whittle it down then you start to focus on what they're driven by, what they're motivated by, what they like, what their experiences have been, what you learn from them, and you start to winnow down all the 27 jams into a choice of one or two, and you make that choice crystal clear. You don't offer them strawberry rhubarb and rhubarb strawberry. One has slightly more strawberry and one has slightly more rhubarb. God help us all. You say, Here's strawberry rhubarb. It's the number one seller. But if you want a completely different... Ch- look at the banana. Taste that and so you see how very different these are. Making the choice clear creates confidence and certainty. Choosing amongst options that are so close together you can barely tell is hard. Choosing between choices where the options are clear is easier. And if you can help the, your candidate lower the cognitive load of making choices and making those choices crystal clear, you're going to win out more often, which is really all I want for you because you're amazing and I think you're fantastic. All right, That's all I had to say. So like I said, go take a look at that ebook. It, it's It's interesting. It's fun. I had a blast writing it. I think um, you'll enjoy it. Otherwise, uh, if you see me at Talent Brand Summit, say hello. Uh, otherwise, ERE, I'm doing a bunch of stuff. Yellow. Find me, uh, jamesellis.us, for all my speaking stuff. Otherwise, if you just want to ping me, you know where I'm on Twitter, The War for Talent, and on LinkedIn and all those other places. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for sharing. Thanks so much for telling other people about this podcast. I appreciate it. I really, really do. Uh, And we will see you next week. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast.